With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That long ball is going to go for a touchdown. The game's over. Lobster Slaughter. Metcalf. Long ball. What a score. Unbelievable. 45 40. Run, William, run. He's got blockers in front. Five. Touchdown. Joshua Cribbs turns disaster into a score. Sight wants it all on this one for Logan, and he is there. Jim Brown with a 30. Jim Brown is going to go in for another touchdown. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Wow. It is Baker Mayfield. I woke up feeling dangerous. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. As always, I got my co-host, Jack McCurry, running with me today. But we also do have a special guest. He is Tony Serino of the Lockdown Steelers Podcast. Tony, man, it's been about a year. We've just kind of talked about it off uh, air here. But uh, it's been about a year since we've had you on, and hopefully this Thursday we have a better game than we did last year. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully we, we decide a winner this time around. Um, I'm excited to talk to you guys, though. Thanks for having me on. Uh, of course, you know, we, we got to get you in here, got uh, to talk Pittsburgh Steelers because it's obviously a huge week. Uh, you know, the Steelers have done a great job, even without having Ben Roethlisberger. They've won four out of the last five and uh, five out of the last six. So, uh, you know, they're just keep on rolling. And, and, you know, it's a it's a thing around here where I, we wish that I guess we were Pittsburgh because this, despite – all the issues that has gone on with the Le'Veon Bell stuff, the um, Antonio Brown stuff, Roethlisberger yeah. being out. For, for some reason, the franchise in Pittsburgh finds a way to get through everything where if that would have happened here in Cleveland, it, it just would have de- derailed the entire season and it, it would just be a long year. Well, it really has been. And you look at the two franchises and where they are right now. It really has been a tale of two expectations, right? In Pittsburgh, especially after the Ben Roethlisberger injury, there weren't a whole lot of expectations for this team, right? You know, the Minka Fitzpatrick trade was was criticized because it was thought that this Steeler team was going to pretty much implode. And you know, what are they going to do with with Mason Rudolph? And this could be a three and thirteen team. This could be a top five pick. Whereas in Cleveland, right, it's been nothing but expectation there all off season. And I think that is that has in some ways really hurt the Browns this year. So, yeah, you know, I, I talk about this team as the Steelers as this kind of being a free money year for them, right? I mean, you know, this is there's not there's no expectation right now. You talked about the the Antonio Brown situation, the Le'Veon Bell thing, right? And this was if Ben had stayed healthy, all that stuff would have reared its head at some point, right? The kind of, hey, how come this offense isn't as good without AB, right? I thought he was supposed to be the problem and, and Le'Veon Bell and all of that. But that that's gone away now because of, the fact that Ben's gotten hurt. And what's what's been able to happen is you started to see some young talent emerge defensively for the Steelers. And this has really gone back to the traditional Steelers mold, which is a great defense and an offense that, I mean, let's be honest, with Mason Rudolph behind the helm is barely getting it done. But but you know, like you said, they are they're on a winning streak right now. They're back above five hundred. They're in the playoff race. And that's something, you know, when this team was 0 3, 
about a, a month and a half ago, I would not have said this team was going to be a five and four football team looking at what is, you know, probably their easiest stretch of the schedule coming up. Yeah, you brought it up. I mean, the defense has been the key to their success uh, down this this recent stretch. Uh, talk about their talk about the defense. And obviously, there's a lot of young talent. There's some veterans there that have been here there throughout the years. Just talk about why the defense has been firing on all cylinders and why they're a top 10 scoring defense. Well, we, we have to start with Minka Fitzpatrick because that trade really did change everything about this Steeler team and, and that Steeler defense. And not to say that it was a bad defense before Minka got there, but he was really the missing piece. And I think that's what a lot of people missed about the trade outside of Pittsburgh. Because, right? I, I, you know, Chris and I, who, who uh, co-host Locked On Steelers, we were both pretty excited about the trade because Minka represented something that the Steelers really hadn't had, you know, going all the way back. You'd have to go back to Palomalu to have a real playmaker in the secondary. And this team has been trying to get back to that level of play, right? The, the 2008, 2009, 2010 years of Troy Palomalu at his best, that defense at its best. It's, it's been almost 10 years now since they've had a real dominating defense, and they've got some good players, right? That Cam Hayward on the defensive line, one of the best defensive players uh, on the, uh, on a three, four, as far as a 3-4 defensive end. T.J. Watt was really emerging as a young, good edge rusher. Uh, but they just didn't have any playmakers in that secondary. So Minka coming in and what he's been able to do, uh, you know, the, the couple big plays he's made these last couple weeks obviously have been the splash plays that make all the headlines there on there on Sports Center. But really throughout the year, he's just trained. He's changed this defense from being one last year that really had a tough time getting turnovers to this year. You know, they are second in the league only to the New England Patriots at getting turnover and really been a real transformation from top to bottom. You know, you've seen very good defensive line play, like I'd said. From Cam Hayward, Stephon Tewitt, when he was healthy, was playing really well. They've done good without him. He's out for the year. Devin Bush in the middle, adding that speed, that versatility in the middle of the field. Uh, also, Mark Barron, who, you know, Mark Barron not had a great year playing better as of late. Uh, but he, uh, he's another guy who adds some versatility. He's a safety, turned inside linebacker, adds more speed on that defense. Steven Nelson was a cornerback that was brought in in the offseason from the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs were one of the worst defensive teams in the year la uh, or in the league last year. So, you know, when he was brought in as this kind of marquee signing in the offseason, a lot of Steelers fans looked at Steven Nelson and said, well, here we you know, this, this is going to be another guy in a long line of, of busts for the Steelers at the cornerback spot. But he's been anything other than him. He's, he's been spectacular, arguably having a better year than Joe Hayden. And Hayden's having a pretty good year himself. So this has just been a real transformation for this team. They've, al they've always been able to get pressure on the quarterback. They've been in the top five in sacks for the last couple of years. But now they're turning that into turnovers, turning that into splash plays. Um, it's not all on Minka, but I think Minka has a huge part to play in that. Yeah, you know, just looking at the, the history of Pittsburgh, at least from what I remember, they've always had that dominant pass rush. And, you know, they have 33 sacks as a team this year with, with guys like Watt and Dupree. You know, that defensive line and those linebackers, uh, I, I, I'm impressed every time I, I watch this team. And I, I, I think we're a little bit surprised by what Watt has been able to do, you know, living up to uh, the, the family name and what J.J. has been able to do. But T.J., I think has probably turned himself into a better overall player just in the fact that he's been able to stay healthy. And uh, yeah. I think a lot of people are, uh, are quite surprised with what he's been able to do. 
For sure. And, and you know, the, the, the expectation for him coming out of college was, you know, he was, he was what, taken at the end of the first round. So he wasn't thought of as this premier pass rusher, but that's really what he's turned into. And then you talk about Bud Dupree. I mean, I, I forgot, I, I don't know how I didn't talk about Bud Dupree during my whole thing there about the defense, because he has been, we talk about a most improved player year over year. I mean, this is year five for Bud Dupree. He's, in, you know, he's basically in a contract year. Uh, he will likely have to go elsewhere next year because he is going to get mega paid in the offseason. But he's been spectacular a- alongside. And that's really what the Steelers have been missing is that kind of one-two punch at-, at the outside linebacker position. You know, you remember James Harrison and Lamar Woodley and that one-two punch that the Steelers had back in that, that 2008 defense I talk about. You know, not not to say that these two guys are, are on the level of James Harrison and Lamar Woodley just yet, but they're getting there. And Bud's been a big part of it. You know, TJ, he's got the skill set that you want, which is that, you know, he's got a move and he's got a backup move. Um, you know, he's he's very good at the point of attack. He's he's got he's got a, a good burst off the line of scrimmage. Um he he has the bend to turn the corner, and he's just, you know, he's got that whatever it is, right? The kind of moxie, the kind of will to get there. I mean, this is a guy who was who was, you know, he was gassed out at the end of that Rams game, but you wouldn't have known it watching him play because uh, you know, he was he's he's in there uh making plays left and right and he's you know, look, he can't, I wouldn't call him defensive player of the year for the Steelers because Minka exists, right? Because Minka's there. But if, if Minka weren't on this team, maybe it, maybe it would be T.J. Watt. You know, you talked about how, you know, the Fitzpatrick acquisition was criticized at the time it happened. Another move that I think did take some criticism, although it looks like it's paying off, is when the Steelers moved up 10 spots in the draft to take Devin Bush. Talk about um, the impact he's made already as a rookie because he's putting up some incredible numbers surrounded by a ton of talent as well. Yeah, and he's you know he was that kind of interior playmaker that the Steelers needed. Uh, you know he's quieted off a bit recently, but earlier in the year he was making plays. He had a big interception against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens um, in that game. Uh, you know, look, this is a th- this was a trade that the Steelers had to make because they they missed out on this position entirely in the 2018 season, and that really led to some poor play in the middle of the field. Teams were just killing the Steelers in the middle of the field. Tight ends, wide receivers over the middle, whatever they wanted to do over the middle of the field. I mean, it was I mean, it was oh, it was easy pickings for teams against the Steelers. So you know, adding him, adding Mark Barron has really tightened that up. The, you know, not that this the Steeler defense has no weakness. They could, you know, they're I, I think that they're a little susceptible right now against the run. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if the Browns with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt try to attack that. I think that's been a weakness of Mark Barron and Devin Bush in the middle. But in the passing game, you're you know you're not seeing teams able to just kind of pick on this team over the middle or go to running backs out of the backfield or just you know go to tight ends uh, at will anymore. Uh, the, the teams have to be more creative offensively, and when you when we talk about that pass rush, they try to get more creative. But when T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and and Cam Hayward are bearing down on the quarterback, it's hard to do that, and that's really why this this Steeler defense looks like a you know a, a totally different team in 2019. You know, there are so many people here in Cleveland that are, are still upset with Sashi Brown when he uh, when him and Joe Hayden couldn't figure out a, a contract, and you know. There were a couple down years that he had, but this year he seems to really be putting it back together. It's probably the best year uh, that he's played as a member of the Steelers. What has made Joe uh, so successful this season? Is it just the the other guys around him? They're playing full complementary so. defense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's just complementary defense, right? You know, it's 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 why is Bud Dupree having such a good year? And it's not to take away anything from Joe Hayden or Bud Dupree or any of these guys, right? But you know, when when it isn't so easy to pick on a team over the middle of the field, right? When you don't, when the quarterback doesn't have an e- easy safety valve, because now all of a sudden teams aren't going up against John Bostic over the middle, right? It's, it's Devin Bush, it's Mark Barron. 
it, it makes it easier for a guy like Bud Dupree to get to get some pressure. Or you know, with Joe Hayden, right? When he's got Minka playing alongside him, it makes him you know makes him better. He doesn't have to worry about you know is it going to be Cam Kelly? Is Cam is Cam going to be in his spot? That kind of thing. I mean, I think it's it's all of that kind of permeating throughout the team. Um, and, and it has led to, like you said, though, Joe Hayden. I mean, this is a guy who this week he had a big interception. I think he had five pass defenses against against the Rams. Um, you know, he's having a spectacular year. Now, the, the question with Joe Hayden is always, you know, is he in the twilight, right? I mean, the people were telling Steeler fans when they signed Joe Hayden a couple years back that he was already in the twilight of his career. And now we're kind of seeing, like you talked about, this little rejuvenation. The Steelers signed him to a contract extension in the offseason season. Um, we'll see how much, you know, how much more Joe Hayden has left in the tank, but certainly we're just talking about the 2019 season. Fantastic. Do you think he'll get the duty of covering Odell Beckham on Thursday, or is he going to, uh, rotate between him and Jarvis Landry? Yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be kind of a rotation. Um, is is Jarvis going to line up in the slot? I know they've, the Browns have, have toyed with that a bit. Uh, he, yeah, he's been lining up in the slice, been moving him uh, around to the outside as well. Okay. You know, it just depends on the personnel usage. Yeah, yeah. so what, what'll end up happening, I mean, the Steelers don't don't usually, because Nelson and Hayden have been playing so well, they haven't really had a, a, a guy uh, travel with one guy. Um, so what'll end up happening is if Landry's in the slot, he'll get covered by uh, Mike Hilton. And it, you know wherever Odell is in the formation, he'll get covered by either uh, either Hayden or or Nelson. I don't think they'll have him travel. Uh, they just haven't done it all year. And, and while, look, Odell is a great wide receiver and, um, you know, one of the best the Steelers have faced in the past couple weeks, I, I still I don't see Keith Butler or Mike Tomlin making that change, especially on a short week, right? This Thursday game doesn't leave a lot of time for, you know, these kind of massive changes to your defensive philosophy. So um, I think the Steelers will stay with what they do, and they, they just don't, they don't have cornerbacks travel like that. And, and to, to kind of bring it all around, you know, they really don't have to worry about it because of having Minka Fitzpatrick uh, behind those guys, and you know, right. you, could, you could do things to to where, you know, you don't you don't have to worry about your corners as much because you have a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick sitting back there waiting. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I think that, like like we talked about, that complimentary defense. You know, yeah, you, you don't have to get. You know, when you have when you have eleven very good players and all these guys are really playing at a high level right now, you, you don't have to do a lot of crazy things defensively to make it work. It just you put those guys out there and try not to screw it up. Essentially, as a coach. So while the defense has been so dominant this year, I think one of the things um, to where the, the Steelers. Uh, have struggled is on the offensive side. And I, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, obviously not having Big Ben and, and losing guys like Le'Veon Bell and uh, Antonio Brown, you kind of expected that a little bit. And with Mason Rudolph stepping in, uh, he's looked okay, but uh, he really hasn't kind of per se lit it up. Right. No, not, it hasn't lit it up as is the understatement of the century. He looked, he's been, if we're just, if we're just going to be real here, He's been bad, right? I mean, he's been a bad quarterback. His numbers, you wouldn't know it from his numbers, right? And this is what Steeler fans love to throw in everyone's face who likes to say Mason Rudolph's a bad quarterback. They go, well, you know, look look at him. He's got he's got to look at his passer rating, right? You know, look at his completion percentage, all that. If you watch Mason Rudolph play, Mason Rudolph doesn't, at most of the time, does not resemble a starting NFL quarterback. But that's okay because he's in year two. They weren't expecting him to come in this, this, uh, this early. And he has progressed from where he started. But this is a Steeler offense that is really, really struggling. And I think it's for a couple reasons, right? Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger going down has a huge part to play. And the, the biggest reason why. Yes, Antonio Brown not being there makes things 
uh, worse. Although, you know, could you imagine Antonio Brown, you know, with, with Mason Rudolph as his quarterback and the kind of, you know, we talk about drama and all that nonsense that would happen. I, I don't want to imagine that world. So maybe it's better. Maybe it's better that AB is not on this team while Mason Rudolph is the quarterback. The other thing that happened this offseason is they lost uh, their offensive line coach, Mike Munchak, who was also the run game coordinator. So the Steelers running game has kind of taken a step down that the offensive line as a run blocking unit hasn't been as good. And I think those are things that are you know definitely correlated. So, um, yeah, Mason Rudolph, not good. Not good so far. He's you, you, and you guys will see this on Thursday night. There is there are times where Mason goes back there. That first read isn't there. He gets, you know, he gets a little panicky. Now, to this point, he's been very good about just kind of checking it down. The Steelers have done a good job of getting the ball to Jalen Samuels and their running backs out of the backfield this week uh, against the Rams. It was more of the tight end. So you saw Nick Vanette and Vance McDonald get involved. Uh, but, you know, Mason, when when the Steelers have drives, when the Steelers have, uh, yeah, actually, that's, that's, that's the whole sentence. When the Steelers have drives, that's when, May, that's when fans go, oh, look, Mason looks good, right? But those are so few and far between. The majority of the time, the Steelers are, you know, they're they're going three, four, five plays and out, um, and they're putting it on their defense to make big plays and get them short fields or what they've relied on these last couple games. Look, the Steelers won by five against the Rams. That seven points came from a Minka fumble touchdown, right? They won by what two against the the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Seven of that came on a Minka pick six. So this offense is not exactly lighting it up out there, and it starts with Mason not you know not playing well, uh, but. He's getting better, and, and the hope for Steeler fans is that he continues to improve as the Steelers make what is this incredible, improbable playoff run. And, you know, to help Rudolph, it looks like James Conner's coming back this week. Um, he's missed the last couple of weeks with a shoulder injury. Prior to the injury, he had his best game of the year against Miami with 145 rushing yards. Talk about um, how much Conner has meant to Rudolph in terms of helping the offense be able to move the chains down the field. Yeah, I mean that was certainly when when Mason first came in, right? I mean it was it was about as bad as you could you could uh, you you would, you would ever see in Pittsburgh because Mason Rudolph that first game against the 49ers, I think he completed two passes more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage. The last quarterback to do that in an NFL game was Tim Tebow. So Mason started about as about as low as you could as an NFL quarterback, and so then the very next week that was against. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they kind of went with that wildcat look, right? They just you know went to went to Connor and and Samuels and and went completely run heavy, and that's really been a big key to their success. You know, when this team has had some real offensive success, it has gone through Jalen Samuels, James Connor, that running game, and then you know you have Rudolph there to pick up a third down here, pick up a third down there, make a big play downfield to Deontay Johnson. Um, this is yeah, this has been a team that certainly has relied on the running game. The problem for James Connor is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy this year. And so even Connor's best games, I think his best game this year was probably that Chargers game, right? But that was the game where he went down late in that game. He, he, he left that game injured. And he's done that probably too many times this year for a Steeler fan. So that's a worry because, look, he's coming off of this injury now on a short week. I know they rested him on uh, against the Rams so that he would be healthy for this game. But, you know, the worry has to be that he goes down with some other injury because that's just been his story so far. So the Steelers need to get a running game going. It's, it's, it's been their key to success. Um, I, you know, I just, I don't know if they, if they want to rely on James Conner being that sole guy, or if they want to continue this rotation with he and Samuels. And then, you know, if Trey Edmonds is back or Tony Brooks, James, whoever the third guy is going to be. You know, I, I was going to make a, a Tim Tebow playoff trope, but, uh, I would have received a Tommy Maddox, uh, joke in return. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. 
but on the offensive side, I'm actually offended that you're comparing Tommy Maddox to Tim Tebow because I love I love T Gun. You can't don't 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 diss my boy T Gun on this podcast. Well, well, you know it's a tough playoff losses. So for both yeah, of yeah, us. yeah, I got, uh, I got, I got it. Um, but you guys do have some good playmakers on offense. You got Juju. James Washington seems to be settling in in the second season. Uh, you guys traded for Nick Vanette. Uh, I would say Vance McDonald, from what I've seen, has had is kind of a, a letdown year. Um, talk about those guys. It seems Mason does have guys to throw the football to. It's just a matter of uh, you know making plays and stopping those guys. Yeah, and it's you know Chris and I talked about this on a recent episode where we kind of talked about what our expectations are for the rest of the year, right? Because I talk about this as being a free money year for the Steelers, right? I'm really high on this Steeler team as it enters the 2020 season, right? You take what is this defense today, and then you combine it with a Ben Roethlisberger-led offense, and what could that team be in this AFC, which is obviously not good. Um, And so the worry I have is that there's this is a year where this team was supposed to replace Antonio Brown and find out what it had in Juju as a number one, and and could James Washington step up as that number two guy, and you know Deontay Johnson as 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 another uh, receiver in, in this kind of long line of the Steelers just developing any receiver that comes into the program, and so Mason Rudolph being the quarterback has really I'm not say it stunted that growth, but it's just made it hard to evaluate. Right, you know, you talked about J- James Washington stepping up in these in these last couple of weeks. Yes, that is true, and James Washington is finally looking like the James Washington that we Washington that we've seen in, in preseason and in training camp for the past couple of years. But you know, two you can't draw any conclusions off a two game sample size. And the problem is, we're nine games into the year now, and we're just finally seeing James Washington get involved really in any significant way. Deontay Johnson has been you know here and there throughout the year. Uh, Juju's been really really quiet, but I think teams have really try to take him out of games and make everybody else beat them. It's just a worry about this team. You, know, you talk about Vance McDonald having a down year, right? I think Vance is still the same. Vance, uh, you know, he's, he's got a different quarterback throwing him the ball right now, and that's been the biggest issue. That's my biggest issue with trying to evaluate this offense is you watch the tape, you see guys get open. Mason either doesn't look their way, he's too hesitant to throw it into traffic, you know, doesn't, you know he's so risk-averse at this point, he's just end up checking it down, so... Um, that's what I want to see as this as this year kind of progresses for this Steeler offense is, is trying to get those wide receivers. If we could see more stat lines like we saw against the Rams and less stat lines like we saw against the Colts, where you know I think he only completed like four or five passes to wide receivers in the whole game. Um, those are the kind of stat lines I like to see because I like to be able to evaluate these wide receivers as this team moves into the 2020 season. Uh, Tony, do you think that Mason Rudolph could be – the future franchise quarterback of the Steelers, or have you seen enough to know that he isn't the long-term fit going forward? Uh, you know, I, I get I get hate for saying this, but no, I don't. I don't think Mason Rudolph is the long-term answer for Ben Roethlisberger. And and if we're talking about long-term answer, right, we're talking about like the next great Steeler quarterback. Could he eventually be the starter in Pittsburgh? I mean, sure. I mean, he is right now, right? And so, you know, could the Steelers just elect to say? Hey, you know what? This was good enough. We'll stick with this going forward, and we'll see how Mason develops. I just don't think his ceiling is that of a, you know, of a, of a Super Bowl winning quarterback or anything even close to that. Um, at this point, he's barely even a you know a starting quarterback level player. So um, I don't see. I don't think he has it right. I know it's early. We're only you know I'm, we're what eight games into this evaluation, and that is early. But with some quarterbacks, you just kind of you know pretty early the kind of throws that they're making and and the the look that they have as a quarterback and he just doesn't have it. So unless that unless that switch flips at some point, maybe it takes this offseason 
for that to happen. I don't see it happening. But the nice thing for the Steelers is that they, it's not a it's not a now that's not a now question, right? Because Ben signed this two year extension, he intends on playing in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a question for essentially two years from now, unless something drastically wrong happened with that elbow surgery or Ben's rehab or whatnot, he can't come back. But I see that as a question really for two years from now, not for today, which is nice for the Steelers because they, you know, they, they see what they have in Mason Rudolph today, which, and I think they know, okay, he's not ready today, but two years from now, could he be ready? And then and they'll watch that throughout practice and training camp. Yeah, and you know what, what's kind of nice about trading for uh, Mika Fitzpatrick is that that helps now. And yes. if Big Ben comes back next year and he doesn't perform well, and the team kind of you know tanks it down. That 2021 pick that you guys do still currently have will be a fairly high pick in, in theory. So yes. at that point, you know, you've had another season to evaluate everything to where, all right, Big Ben's probably done. It's time for us to go out and get a rookie quarterback if they don't believe that Mason Rudolph is that guy. Right. And I think and I think that's the better way to do it anyway, because I, I never liked the idea of of getting this, you know, getting this heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger, you know, four years before Ben's going to retire, right? I never liked that in the first place. I think the right way to build an NFL roster these days is to get a guy on his rookie deal, start him early, find out what you have, because if he ends up being Patrick Mahomes, if he ends up being, you know, if he ends up being Carson Wentz or Jared Goff, or, or even, you know, even what the Browns are doing with Baker Mayfield, it's the right strategy, which is get a quarterback who is super cheap, the cheapest they're ever going to be in their career, get that for four or five years when you consider the fifth-year option, and build around that, put as much talent, spend all your cap room on that. You know, do, do everything you can to surround that guy with talent for those years and try to make that work. And I think, I think the Chiefs are doing that the right way. I think the Rams, look, unfortunately, Jared Goff is, is a bad quarterback at this point, but they did it the right way. Uh, it, same thing with you know Carson Wentz couldn't stay healthy, but the Eagles did that the right way, and they, they – they, uh, they got fortunate with with Nick Foles playing as well. I think that I think the Browns are doing it the right way when you talk about building around Baker Mayfield. That's what I want to see the Steelers do. So I never liked the idea of of having Mason Rudolph and then maybe have him for one year before his rookie contract ends. This team goes out like you said, 2021, 2022, whatever that is, um, and gets a quarterback then and tries to build around him on a rookie deal. Yeah, you could argue that that John Dorsey has done a good job of surrounding Baker Mayfield with talent. It's just a matter of it, the, the coaching aspect and, and putting it all together because, you know, there's Odell, there's Jarvis, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, David Njoku, who I don't think is going to be back on Thursday. He'll probably be back for the next game. But um, Nick Chubb, uh, like I mentioned, and, and it's the offensive line has kind of been the problem, right? But the yeah. one thing that the Browns have been able to somewhat do this season is run the ball effectively even more so this past Sunday uh, against the Buffalo Bills with the addition of Kareem Hunt. Hunt did a great job in, in terms of lead blocking uh, for Nick Chubb. Uh, the, the motion uh, that they use him in uh, definitely created problems for Buffalo. You know, five out of the last six games, Nick Chubb has carried the ball exactly 20 times. That kind of seems to be the magic number. Uh, he's broken 100 yards in, in four of those games. How do you expect the Steelers' defense to combat uh, Nick Chubb and what he's been able to do with the addition of Kareem Hunt uh, and all the motion that they run? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I think that that is going to be really the question going into Thursday night is is can the Browns get that rushing attack going? Because if they can, I think I think this is going to be a very interesting game. You know, if, if they 
if the Browns want to come out and, and have Baker Mayfield throw the ball 40 times, I think every Steeler fan is going to be A-OK with that. Uh, but if, if the running game gets going, that's going to be a problem. So, and, and, you know, for the Steelers right now, without Stephon Tewitt, it you know, becomes a bigger issue because you've got, you've got a, a depleted defensive line in some ways. Uh, you're going to see a lot of, of Javon Hargrave and Tyson Alualo, and I think they'll, they'll stick with three down linemen. You'll see a lot of Vince Williams in this game, who's been a real good run stuffer for this team. Uh, they gave Mark Barron the, the green dot last week, which is the, the guy who takes the signals in from the sideline. So I, I'd imagine if, if they're going to do that again, you'd see a lot of him and not a lot of Devin Bush. I think Devin Bush had 30-something snaps against the Rams. I think the Steelers were also worried in that game about Gurley getting going, although if you look at Gurley's stats, he had 12 carries for 73 yards, an average of 6.1 yards a carry. The problem is the Rams just didn't run the ball enough. Um, so you'll, you'll see a lot of that. I think the Steelers are going to have to stick with that kind of front seven look and not, you know, they've done this kind of rover look recently where it's one down lineman, just Cam Hayward as that one down lineman and then kind of going more rover. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they have the luxury of doing that because of the explosion of, of Nick Chubb uh, and really the explosion of Kareem Hunt as well. So I think you're going to have to see the Steelers stick in what would essentially be a base defense and, and try to play out of that. And it's going to lead to some mismatches uh, in, in some cases. If you, know, you get that linebacker on a on a wide receiver type look at, out of a zone look, but um, you know, I think for me that the you, what you can't do is you can't allow the Browns to allow a running game. You can't allow Nick Chubb to get going. You can't allow Kareem Hunt to get going. You have to put this game on Baker Mayfield's shoulders and trust that this defense, which is number two in the league right now in turnovers, can force some turnovers from Baker and make it easier on the Steeler offense. So you you talk about getting into that rover look, and I think one of the things that they'll be able to do is confuse Baker. One of the things that we've noticed this season is there's been a lack of communication between the sidelines and Baker Mayfield in terms of getting to play in. Now, we're not sure if that's Todd Monk and Freddie Kitchens taking too long to decide what the play is or, or what's going on, but there's been uh, probably about 90% of the offensive snaps, except when they run no huddle, that they're getting up to the line of scrimmage and that play clock is already ticking down at 7, 6, 5. Yeah. And I, that's where they're really going to be able to confuse the Browns if – they don't get the play in quick enough and get lined up so Baker can diagnose things and see what he's got in front of him. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing I've noticed about Baker, and correct me if I'm wrong here because I think you guys watch a little more Browns than I do, but uh, Baker seems to struggle against zone defense. Am I, am I right on that, that the majority of his interceptions come when, when defenses are running zone and he kind of gets confused at the look? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the Steelers, I think, have run much more man than, uh, than normal. Well, I shouldn't say the normal. I mean, they did this last year as well. Uh, but they're going more man-heavy looks. So I'll be interested to see if, if the Steelers continue to do that in this game or if they, if they run more zone-heavy, you know, like you said, to try and confuse Baker. Because what you know Keith Butler is going to do and what has been his specialty throughout his career is, is bringing exotic blitz packages and all of that and try to, you know, try to uh, hurt what is, you know, what is a, a bad Browns offensive line. So I think he's going to want to get some pressure on Baker and make Baker get, get the ball out quickly. But I'll be interested to see if they play a lot of zone behind that. Uh, because you know, I think that plays right into the Steelers' hands as well, right? With with Baker getting confused, not only by the blitz that's coming, but the zone look behind it. And I think the Steelers are trying to parlay that into uh, quite a few turnovers, which you know give Mason Rudolph in this offense some easy chances to score. All right, let's get into uh, the pred- the prediction uh, of this game, Tony. How do you think this one is going to shake out? Uh, you know, another Thursday night game. Now, this game reminds me of. Um, Ten years ago, actually, it was a Thursday night game, uh, late in the year. It was a little, yeah. bit, li- little bit later than this that I attended, and 
It was the one where Brown sacked Roethlisberger like eight, nine times, uh, and ultimately it's what eliminated him from the playoffs. So I, I get the feeling that this is going to be another really low-scoring game. It's going to be cold out. Teams are going to want to run the ball. Um, how do you see this one shaking out? I'm with you. I'm with you. Every time we have done our schedule prediction on the podcast, and we've done it a couple times here as we kind of reevaluate the team as, as the team changes, I always say this is this is one of the toughest games on the schedule. The Steelers going to Cleveland on a short week after two big games against the Colts and Rams. Uh, this is this is you know I mean correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is the Browns Super Bowl, right? I mean this is this is home game on prime time against the Steeler team that. Doesn't have Ben Roethlisberger, right? They, you know, there's blood in the water. They, this is a chance for the Browns to really beat the Steelers for the first time in a while. So uh, I, I, I'm not going to change my prediction. I'm going to still predict that the Browns will win this game, even though, you know, my even my head and my heart both tell me that this Steeler team, with as many turnovers as they're able to create, are going to have a field day against Baker Mayfield. I still worry. I, I still worry about that running game, and I still worry about how this team is going to be able to stop Nick Chubb and stop Kareem Hunt. And, and stop this Browns team from getting a rush running game going. And if if uh, if they are and and they don't they don't turn the ball over and they don't give Mason Rudolph some short fields. Another thing to talk about with the Steelers is they haven't played a road game in a very very long time. In fact, you have to go back to that Niners game in Week Three to really say a true road game for the Steelers. I know they went to to L.A. to play the Chargers, but that was a packed house of Steeler fans. Um, so this is the first road game they've played in a while. We haven't seen Mason Rudolph. We haven't seen this offense. We haven't even seen this defense play on the road in forever. I, I, I'm excited to see it on Thursday night, but I do think the Browns pull off the upset here. Uh, I think they win a, a very close, like you said, a, a low-scoring game. They win something like 20-17 to 17, um, in a game that yeah, does send the Steelers into some sort of, not necessarily a panic mode, but hey, what's going on here? We just beat the Rams. We just beat the Colts. How do we lose to the Browns? And they're 5-5 five and five and trying to figure out if this, if this playoff run is really going to happen. Well, well, here's the thing. With how easy uh, – I'm using that term kind of loosely. With uh, the Browns having the easiest schedule in terms of winning percentage uh, yeah. for the rest of the NFL season, the Browns have to win this game because if they lose, go to 3-7, and seven, they're done. You know, The season's over. There's no chance of making the playoffs if they lose this game. So they have to go in there Thursday night, win this game, uh, get to four and six and then you know you still got Miami you got Cincinnati twice so then it, it kind of starts looking to uh greener pastures but they have to go in Thursday night beat the Steelers Jack do you agree with that yeah I, I truly think this is a must-win game and the Browns need to treat this like a playoff game um it, it's pretty much win or go home. If they win this game, they'll be 2-0 and in the division, 4-6, and and then momentum on their side as they head down the stretch where they play the Dolphins, the Bengals twice, the Cardinals, and then, of course, that key game against Baltimore in the end of December. Yeah, and, and you look at where the Steelers' mentality is at right now, right? And, I mean, and I've talked about it. It's free money. I mean, this team has won four out of five. Uh, or no, excuse me, five out of six. Um and and this is a team that had you know they had no expectation to be here. I mean, this is an 0-3 team that was thought of as being a top five pick. Now all of a sudden they've entered themselves back into the playoff race. Not to say that they're gonna look past the Browns or anything like that, but when you talk about a team like Cleveland that is back against the wall, must-win situation, the Steelers just don't feel that. I mean, they just can't feel that way because they're riding high, because they're winning four in a row. So I do I agree with you. The mentality of this game on a short week completely different between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Yeah, the, the Browns had their back against the wall uh, on Sunday against Buffalo. They had to win that game, and they were able to do so. 
Jack, give me a final score prediction of, of this game from you. I'm going to go Cleveland 24, Pittsburgh 23. All right. You, you got a little more faith in, in the points uh, than I do. I think this is going to be like that game 10 years ago. Both sides are, are going to struggle offensively. Uh, you know, we did see the Browns get a little bit together, but I think the Steelers' defense is so good that this one's going to be, the, I'll say, a 16-13 to 13 game. It's going to be very low scoring, and uh, I got the Browns winning this one, and it's going to be a good one. You know, anytime these two teams get together and you uh, have playoffs on the line, potentially, uh, you know, this late in the season, it really is, hasn't been the case for many years, so... It's going to be a great atmosphere on Thursday. I know I'm excited to be there. Uh, I'm curious to see how many Steelers fans show up on a Thursday night uh, in Cleveland, depending on how many want to take off uh, the entire weekend. So, uh, Tony, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere Thursday night, and hopefully we see another hell of a football game. I can't wait. It's you know this. I'm a little sad that the, that the NFL made this series twice in three weeks. I really don't like when, when the NFL does that. But it looks like both teams are coming into this game relatively healthy. Obviously, the Steelers have two and, and Roethlisberger gone for the year, but Connor's healthy, so hopefully injuries don't decide this series, and I don't think it will. It should be, like you said, a really fun game on Thursday night. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we appreciate it. You know, on our side, we have uh, Olivier Vernon, who we're not sure if he's going to play or not. He didn't play Sunday against Buffalo. We're not sure if he's going to be back in time. And then uh, another guy, uh, Morgan Burnett, who you guys said is also injured. It's looked like he's not going to play, so um, – it should be honestly, a, might, might be Eric, a good thing. Honestly. Eric Murray. Yeah. Oh, Eric Murray. Sorry, I got confused. Yeah. Eric Murray's not playing. Uh, okay. Morgan's playing. So, which might be a benefit for you. I don't know. Yeah, I was um, just gonna say, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> um, all right, Tony. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, glad to get you on here. Talk a little bit of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, two games in three weeks is it, it, tough uh, playing you guys, but I, I'd rather it be the last game of the year. I think that should be tradition. Uh, um, but hopefully uh, uh, Thursday night we get another good football game. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. All right, Tony. We absolutely appreciate it. As always, you can follow Jack on Twitter at jmccurryCLE. You can follow me on Twitter at AnthonyJokey, J-O-K-I. Be sure to follow the podcast uh, and the Dogland on Twitter uh, at the Dogland. You can find our podcast on any platform, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Uh, with all that, we're getting on, gonna get on out of here, and most importantly, go Browns! Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.